Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Dickenverse this episode are... Hey, I'm Paul, and I've been reading so many iBooks, I've been getting scales over my eyes. <laughs> and I'm well. I'm asking you all to wake me up because we have some questions to see what brings Evan to life and figure out what is Evan's essence. <laughs> okay, I'm Aaron, and I've uh, I'm between the hosts of the Path to Story and the author of the novella Path to Glory. I feel like I'm Path to Mori over here. <laughs> I don't know if most people are going to get that because Mori may not be a show that translates across the the, the oceans. Um, but anyways, in this episode, we're chatting with Black Library author Evan Dickin about all things Warhammer, Black Library, and how far along he is on the path to glory. Hey, Evan. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, really happy to be here. I'm excited to chat with you all. Hey, likewise. Um, you see, everyone, Maury is it like a like a talk show where like um... <laughs> no, 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 you got it wrong because it's Monday, but it's supposed to be Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I suppose that's true. You can't correct my uh, pun. <laughs> so here we are doing another Black Library author interview. Everybody seemed to like the first one enough, um, and I doubt it had anything to do with us. So we figured we'd keep them coming and uh, chat uh, with our new friend, uh, Evan Dickin today. Um, find out more about him. Find out more about what he's been working on and what he has come out most recently. And as always, we had some questions that you folks wanted us to ask him, and we would be uh, remiss if we did not do so. So um, I'll, I'll first say, hey, Paul and Will, is there anything you guys want to bring up or chat about before we dive right in? Because I don't have a good preamble for any of this. Um, well, so we're going to be talking about a couple of different things right now. But I do genuinely have a question about iBooks, which is <laughs> IBUQ and also... Um, the demi dragoths so like you evan have a thing about lizards being mounts for humans and i kind of want to know why or if like there's anything behind that so that's all uh well um it was i think it's an outgrowth of when i started writing for um age of sigmar it was back you know in the days when they wanted to make everything real weird so mm -hmm. um i was putting everybody on horses and my editor at the time lottie was like no no horses weird stuff <laughs> We want, we want lizards. We want bugs. We want like strange things. I'm like, fine, I can do strange stuff. So yeah. that, that's what, that's basically the out, outgrowth of that. So I just kind of came up with awesome. my own mounts yeah. and now, now we're, we're getting sort of the opposite thing. So I put, putting people on lizards and stuff and they say, no, 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 horses now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome. So it's the era of the horse. I should yeah. Um, that makes this interview all, all the worth it. Honestly, we could stop right there. Like, yeah. That was not that was enough, man. That was a good question. Uh, right on. <laughs> all right, so I because I don't know I have a smooth way to transition to this. I'm going to dive right in if you guys will uh, indulge me a little bit. But Evan, let's start with you. Let's we'll start with what the uh, folks most want to know about is the man behind the legend. Um, and so let's start at the beginning. I'd love to know um, how you got your start uh, in Warhammer as a whole. Not even necessarily authorship, if that's a word, but just really the the Warhammer ho hobby uh, in the first place. I'd love to hear about it. Sure. Um, I think the first tangentially Warhammer thing I can remember doing is my father bought us a, a hero quest one day for Christmas Ooh. Ooh. and it was, you know, ancient, ancient times. So I don't know, six or seven. So we played through all of that. And then that sort of transitioned into battle masters, which is sort of like Warhammer light for like nineties kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and that was at the same time. I remember being at my local hobby store and games workshop had put out these little green pamphlets and each of them had like a little army description and like a, a sample army with points and stuff. And I remember taking probably an armload of those home with me and just spending, I want to say, days pouring through those and coming up with sample armies and uh, just kind of like 
figuring out because they didn't they wouldn't tell you how much like a skeleton was worth they would just give you the like 32 skeletons 172 points so i'm like okay well here's what they've got so i'm trying to turn to like reverse engineer what a skeleton costs and like rebuild it from the ground up and i remember irritating my friends with all that sort of stuff and so uh, from that point on basically all my allowance went to little tiny elves and that was the that was (laughs) much like my salary uh allowance salary same same deal um (laughs) <laughs> did you stick with have you have you then stuck with Warhammer uh since then or did you sort of ebb and flow like I think a lot of people have stories where they kind of fall in and out of it um did it was it something that's been sort of a lifelong connection or did you have to yeah, set it yes, down at one point yes and no um I I was really into playing like the actual tabletop games in high school but since then I've had sort of less time to do that and um I've always been like a, a role player like a to the to the core so sure. I would say that I'm sort of embarrassed to say I've never played Age of Sigmar uh, but I have played <laughs> I have played the RPG a bunch and I have played like the, the Warhammer quest stuff and, you know, rogue trader and, um, Warhammer fantasy role play, uh, um, dark heresy, the new one that is coming out from cubicle seven. I've got that on pre-order. So I would say I do play a lot of, you know, games, workshop stuff, but not necessarily tabletop things. Uh, I just, I love getting the figures. I love painting them. Uh, mm-hmm. I love arranging them on little tables. Uh, but when like the, the rubber meets the road, I can just see never team to t- find time to actually like, like play a game sure 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 uh, i i was incredulous when you said oh i hadn't played a game of age of sigmar as if i had had played any more than maybe what i can count on single one hand <laughs> like oh how dare he yeah you got Sorry, your yearly game of war cry in <laughs> I did. Like, that's I, it i can check it off uh, yeah, my brother did get me a uh, i think i'm under the bed here a big box of something i think it's shade spire or something i haven't looked at it yet but i'm gonna oh, unpack nice. it he got it for christmas so i need to break it out and start putting the miniatures together nice very cool those are great i have i have young children at home so um, I'm trying to, I just started them on Hero Quest. So I'm hoping they'll follow nice. the same path that I do. Nice. The new Milton, the new, I think Hasbro put out a new edition of Hero Quest last year. For the yeah. 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 Um, You're braver than I am. <laughs> yeah. Use uh, the words like chaos or anything. So I think it's like a dredge or something. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> gotcha. <but. laughs> um, so I did have one other question on your author bio at the end of your novels. It says that you have a warband of unpainted chaos warriors. Do you still have an unpainted warband of chaos warriors? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're still in the sprues even. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah lurk, lurking down in the lurking down in the basement. I think they're from, you know, three editions ago. Are they the hunchback ones? In like uh, the light gray plastic? Or are they the no, straight they're the, back ones of the cloaks? Straight backs. Yeah, they're right, straight so storm backs. Storm of Chaos. Cool. All right. So just wondering. I have collected <laughs> most of them and I have them up in my closet. So Cool, cool. Paul's got, Paul's got a timeline running in his head now. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> That's great. As I say, you mentioned before that you started collecting little plastic elves, and we're talking about your book that includes two different types of elves. Are you a, an elf fan through and through, or do you kind of dip in and out? I, I'd say elves are probably in my top three factions of nice. all time. But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think my first army was high elves for fantasy back in the day. And um, I've got the Lumina. Here's the thing I bought a couple of Lumineth models, but they're too pretty like i put them all together and i'm like these are two i i, I if i put paint on them i'm gonna ruin them yeah so like i, I don't want to do something you know, i don't want to destroy something beautiful so you um, inadvertently paint judgy faces on them and you're like why do you look at me like this yeah <laughs> so they're assembled they just i haven't i haven't put a brush to plastic yet yeah, fair enough sure um, all right. Well, then I'll, I'll ask if we're talking about beginnings and starting stuff. Um, I'd love to hear then how and I guess when did you transition over to Black Library and what was that process like for you? How did how did you join up and how did you get involved? Um, I So it's not really a long story, but uh, <laughs> so I've, I've, I've been writing for a while, I think, since the early aughts. 
yeah. um, and had uh, published publications. And um, I started writing science fiction and then I transitioned to horror. And then I had gone into fantasy, you know, to get the trifecta. Sure. And I think and one of the editors at the time, Lottie Llewellyn Wells, um, just emailed me out of the blue. I was like, I was just about to shut down my website. I'm like, I'm so tired of paying hosting fees. I just want to shut my website down. And probably a day before I did that, she emailed me and I thought it was a scam <laughs> at first. I'm like, I don't know how you think you're going to get money out of me. Like, but I'm not paying you to be like a black library author. Yeah. <laughs> and I went and looked her up on the site and she was a real person. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> so that, yeah, basically I started working again. I still think, you know, someday they're going to try and get money out of me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's a long con. Nigerian prince comes knocking yeah. on your door. Yeah. yeah. Like I've yeah, written all these really prince. great stories, but I've still got imposter syndrome is what I'm hearing. <laughs> the thing is they've already got my money. Like I already hand them, you know, hundreds of dollars for these war bands and things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like they can get any more out of me. Yeah. Blood from a stone for sure. Um, breaking even here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so she uh, emailed you. Um, how was that onboarding process like, or was it, was it smooth? I imagine it was smooth. Um, it was good because yeah, Lottie is a great editor um, and she and I worked really well together. So um, she was incredibly like friendly and sort of helpful. And uh, I got to write, I think my first was Path to Glory, which I think you all reviewed back in the mm -hmm. day. That's what got me onto your podcast because being a, you know, a narcissist, I wanted to hear if my stuff was good or not. I would have done the same um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, you, you guys seem to enjoy it. So I, I started listening to your podcast, obviously, cause you seem like you have really good taste. Great taste. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it, I, that was sort of my like uh, farewell to the world that was because, you know, it's about a, a bunch of people who get sort of cut off and, mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. I, the, the transition from, um, old Warhammer to like age of sigmar happened right when i had my first child so i okay. kind of have like a three-year just blur and i <laughs> so I, I i felt like i like okay hi elves time to say goodbye i'm having a baby now and then mm -hmm. three years later i'm like wait what happened to elves what's going on like i just <laughs> it, i felt like the world had totally changed in more ways than one so yeah um but yeah it was a really smooth onboarding process i had a really good time writing she let me she gave me a lot of freedom which i think is good and bad at the same time. Hmm. Uh, I got to write about, she says, well, what do you want to write about? And I said, well, hmm. obviously this, I want to write about dirty humans, which are my favorite faction. Like I I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Age of Sigmar. I like, I like them. I like them. I, I don't know. Being a human, I kind of identify with them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, you can't see that. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, guys, you keep them coming. You, you've got more questions you want to ask. Um, so you like the dirty human faction and like, I, Path to Glory is a really good example of, like you said, transitioning from the old world to AOS. But um, what was the first like short story you read, wrote when you were like, okay, I feel like I've got a handle on AOS and I feel like this is my AOS story, if that makes sense, as opposed Ooh. to a transition. Oh, man. Because uh, I was reading uh, one of your stories and you were talking about um, Remedia, who was a god from the old world. And so I had picked up a little bit of like, oh, all right, we've got knights of Mermidia going on, which is a bit of an old world callback. So um, I would probably say it would have to be um, Red Hours because I had to sort of get rid of all. I mean, my I mean, because there's still, you know, um, there's an elf in it, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's a dispossessed elf. And there's a, you know, because so it, it had all the old trappings in it, but it was a new story set in a new world. And it was the first time I had to sort of like come to grips with uh, one of the things I enjoy about Age of Sigmar is the 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 realms being sort of characters themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a story set on Shaman is going to be completely different than a story set on Shaiish. The same story with the same characters. Yeah. Um, and that's where I really got to, I, I really realized like, oh, hey, you know, there's so much more to play with. And 
don't get me wrong, my heart will always belong to the world that was like I, you know, you know, I want to grow up an outdoor for, you know, visit, you know, the old Juan and things like that. But um, just just seeing the the sheer scope of the mortal realms and what you could play with as an author and what you could bring in this just this, I, I think um, uh, Van Wynn said it best in the interview, like mortal realms are just weird. They're yeah. just weird. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. So I think that's where I, it finally clicked for me. Like, hey, I can. I can do this sort of weird stuff with mm-hmm. these people, um, mm-hmm. yeah. even if they're, you know, left over from sort of the world that was. Yeah, I, I really enjoy The Red Hours. It was it's a very visceral, like, novel or short story, I should say, to read because of the way that you describe the realms, right? You were like, chunks of rust are coming down and, and uh, bodies are being flensed from inside. So, like, I really got that, like, you were like, this is AOS, and, like, that felt completely AOS to me. And then you have the Stormcast come down and... And then, yeah, it was it was really cool. So I, that's a that makes sense uh, based on how I read it as well. So, oh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, I'm hearing two things that you like that I think relate to like the near future, um, which is to say, one, you like uh, dirty humans, and two, you like the old uh, the old world. So I don't know which one to go <laughs> first, but uh, are you excited at all then about the Cities of Sigma release coming up? I am very excited, um, <laughs> and I really can't speak to what I'll be. Uh, I, I have I have done some like ancillary <laughs> projects related to that, so okay. um, nice. I'm incredibly excited about that. Uh, as you can see, I'm probably already glowing now. I get to <laughs> write about more more people, so I oh. can't really speak to who and what. But uh, yeah, so I'm beyond excited. And one of the, the coolest things about writing for Games Workshop Shop is I get to see all the stuff before they release it yeah true. So i've got these i've got these battle tomes that aren't like publicly available yet and they're still right. missing big chunks and you know parts of them are like some of the art's gone or just like mm-hmm. sketch line drawings but this is incredibly cool like i get to do this for my job like yeah. I, you know, there's nothing better than this i'm just imagining you flipping through and like realizing that everyone's like riding horses and no one's on a lizard like oh no going back and re-editing notes <laughs> I had to. I actually, in the, in the most recent project I was on, I put somebody, I think, on a demigriff or a, a lizard or a mantis or something, and the editor said, no, horse. <laughs> <laughs> horse it is. You got to rein it in. What? Oh. oh. Silly. So, Downright silly. Go ahead. So Will and I were actually recording last night, and we were having a discussion um, about the new Cities of Sigmar release. And this is kind of a general question of, my feeling on the release is that we're finally getting humans for Age of Sigmar because so much of the model range is kind of a holdover from the old world. So is that something that you feel as well, having now been able to like immerse yourself in that a little bit? I think so. Yes. Um, yeah. I can't really speak to what they'll be like, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they are, they are, they're going to be people that aren't just the old models, I think. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, then second question, it seems like you're into the old world. Are you also jazzed about um, the old world coming back whenever that is? Who knows? Yeah. Believe me, I'm already pestering my editors about it. Um, <laughs> you know, please, are you going to write any fiction? If so, can I write some? Um, so yeah. <laughs> That was my follow-up question. Yeah. yeah so. I think I, I'm really excited about like the, the, the time period that it's set in and the different like uh, political factions, especially the Empire, obviously, is one of my favorite factions. So it's fun yeah. to see that sort of like the this ramp up to like a civil war um, that's, that may or may not be happening depending sure. on how they how they mess with the timeline i haven't really seen anything that they've released yet or that, that it's not in the ip bible or anything so you know your guess is as good as mine right on um nice. I, i'm i'm a little little later to warhammer fantasy I, I was around during eighth but not for long but i have been collecting speaking of warhammer rpg so i've been collecting all the warhammer fantasy rpg the current edition not i even cracking them or reading them just like just to have in case like if i'm really going to dive into it i need to preemptively like have this library built up so um i'm right there with you 
So I had a question actually that Aaron reminded me. So you've said you've done role playing. So yeah. number one, are you a player? Or are you a GM? Are you both? And number two, does that inform your fiction? Well, okay, I'll answer them in order. Yes, I've done a ton of role playing. I always, I mean, I, I role played. I think yesterday, um, but um, <laughs> and I am almost always a GM uh, because I'm the things that make me a bad player make me a great GM uh, because. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a talker. I like, I, I steal scenes and I'm aware of this. So I try and cut it back and, you know, I have to be entertained at all times. But you know, the thing is a player talking all the time is kind of irritating, but like a GM, you got, you gotta be, you know, on the ball, you gotta talk. And you know, I, I like the world building, I like the creating, um, just the, the scenarios and writing everything out. Um, so yeah, definitely a GM. And then how does that inform your writing or does it inform your writing? Oh, it very much does. Uh, because they're sort of my like test subjects. Um, I run, I, you know, I, I, you know, spit out ideas sort of at them. And we, I sort of work through it and it, yeah, it's like a focus group almost because they know me very well. Um, and I know them very well. So I'm writing and I'm tons of stuff from the game has sort of like worked like yellow Easter eggs from our game. Not that they read my stuff, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the little Easter eggs and characters from the game sort of have worked their way in because it's, it's, you know, I get to put people in situations and see how they react uh, as characters. And that certainly informs how I write characters too. So, Shriekstone, mm-hmm. since you like elves and you like dirty humans, is that a bit of a real role-playing experience for you? Like, how did you transition into writing from the perspective of a grot? Because I read that one and I was just like, okay, this is the most grot thing that we've had in AOS so far. So, yeah. And that's high praise. So, there you go. Yes, first yeah. off, thank you so much. I, that was, I think, <laughs> my favorite story I've ever written for Age of Sigma. Oh, nice. Um, oh, nice. It was just, it was just so much fun. I, I don't know if I could sustain that for like a novel or anything, but it was a <laughs> lot of fun to just sort of get into the mind of a grot. And I talked about my top three favorite factions, and it's going to be like Cities of Sigmar, <laughs> Lumineth, and then probably Gloomspite. Yeah. Uh, nice. Because I just love those little weird guys. Like those. <laughs> Those weird little freaks, man. I, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for goblins. I think um, I, when I played 40K, I collected orcs and goblins. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is back in the, the previous editions. And I just tried to field as many of those little guys as I could. Um, <laughs> so I'd to roll up and put out 400 minis on the table. Uh, and they're all grots and stuff. So yeah, they, they get mowed down. But, you know, it's just fun to have them there. They got some panache. Sure. Back to the um, uh, the role playing. You know, have you did you ever get a chance to work with Cubicle Seven at all in any of their materials that they put out? I don't know if um, no, no, is no, it connected no. at all. Okay. Um, well, you should, well, you should. I don't know who you got to call. I don't have any connections or anything, <laughs> but like I'll put it out there in the world. Well, um, I was at a uh, Origins Game Fair in Columbus maybe a month ago, and I just probably dropped three hundred dollars on their their new editions. So oh. <laughs> I guess I don't want to say they owe me. But, uh, you will know. get a little credit in the next book. Sure. <laughs> less of a question but just talking about being a gm and an author i'm just imagining is there a scenario because you mentioned you use them as their testers do you bring characters to them like introduce them to say a character from that you might use later on in a book or anything or is it more of scenario testing more more uh they they come up with their own characters and i steal bits and pieces from them like shamelessly i steal from them (laughs) um it's a it's fun because we're very we're a very idiosyncratic group so it's not just I, I. I'll come up with the scenarios and things, but they play not only their characters, but they play probably I want to say eighty percent of the NPCs as well. Oh, okay. So, um, and they're they're enemies, and they you know. So I I, I I'm more of a producer than a like director role. Okay. I just try and keep everything okay. sort of moving in one direction. But uh, yeah, it's it's really fun because in 
normal game, like the, the, the GM is sort of the arbiter and the players can get mad at you for, you know, screwing them over. But I found that players are the best, you know, if, if you're doing it to yourself, like there's yeah. nothing that for that, there's no anger towards me. Yeah, right. Obviously, <laughs> I'm the good guy. I'm trying to help you out here. Yep. Do, you, do you have them all signed waivers that you can steal stuff for your books? Um, this I is not your IP. They, they're happy that I take stuff, I think. Perfect. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. Um, I, when we role play, I play with a lot of other GMs as well. And so I find myself being like, all right, guys, I don't know how this works. So we're going to take it. We're going to take a poll across all of you. How would you each of you do it in your game? And that, like, oh. again, to your point, they don't get mad at me. Like they come to a consensus and then I wash my hands of the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Very jokes, on, jokes on you guys. Um, so, I, based on the way you're talking about the way you run your role-playing game, leads me to the question of, um, are you a plotter or a pantser? Because from the way that you're talking, it almost seems like you run your games as a pantser and you let your, your, your role-players kind of make the story move forward. But then it kind of sounds like a bit different when you're like, I'm a producer. So um, I, I am a plotter more or less. Um, you kind of have to be with um, Black Library because they want you to have a pitch and then a synopsis and then an extended synopsis. So by the time you actually like sit down to write the novel or the short story or something, you've probably run it through three or four editors and, you know, they've gotten feedback from the the whole gamut of people. Um, and it's, you know, it's all in service of sharpening up your prose and making sure your stories, I mean, they want the best for you. And uh, they, 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 and, you know, I'm a big believer in the editorial process. So I, uh, take try to take criticism you know in this in the spirit which it's offered and you know i've i think my work has come out much stronger for it uh you know not that i've you know sometimes you got to hold the line uh, <laughs> right <laughs> um uh paul i am flabbergasted every time you ask someone that question and then they know what you're talking about because to this day i still don't get it and don't explain it to me because i don't want to know um but <laughs> everybody seems to take it in stride and they know exactly what you're, what you're getting at when you ask so kudos to you um i think maybe we can put a pin in uh talking about evan for a hot second we'll definitely do so uh, eventually but maybe we pause and we get to talking about children to tech list just to say we did and then we can yeah. ask more uh, questions sort of after the fact um if that's okay with everybody any objections Nope, because uh, all the questions I have are in that section that comes after the book. So. Oh, even better. Um, all right, so does any? I feel like I, I, I was interested in just asking a series of W questions like I do in some of my other shows. Um, but if somebody wants to ask the, sub, the W questions instead of me because I'm talking a lot, <laughs> you're more than welcome to. Yeah, so uh, I'll take the first W question, which is, so when does this book take place? place i mean i've read it so i kind of have an understanding but for the listeners at home who may not have yet uh how would you um, describe it to them i would say definitely after the necroquake uh but sort of like the early i'm thinking like the early stages of like the arcane optimar because it their magic like the increasing level of magic does play a role in the book but i don't really refer to it as such um so probably in that sort of nebulous like space between those two um yeah uh and then how did this story like come to be? Like, where did this like idea come from? Cause you mentioned you, you have to come up with the pitch. So what kind of created this idea for you? Well, uh, I should t walk that back a little bit. Sometimes <laughs> gotcha. you, sometimes you just, uh, it depends on the editor and the project, but sometimes they'll say, you know, we want a story about, you know, Seraphon or in this time, the editor, Jacob, my editor, Jacob Young's came to me and said, we want a story about Lumineth and Ideneth, you know, and that's where the, that's sort of the, so you have to write something about that and we're going to call it children of Teclas. And so it has to, we want it to sort of like bring this interplay between the two, uh, you know, elven 
species race slash races um, and sort of play on that they're, you know, sort of siblings and fighting, but also, you know, they don't and give them give some more different perspectives uh, of the same sort of elven uh, experience, I guess. And so I just came up with a half a dozen pitches for that. And then he, cut, you know, cut and pasted them all together into something that resembled a, a plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just as an aside, but like I, I'd love to know how they how they determine what they want. Like, how did they know that they wanted that thing, and why now? I'm curious. I mean, it's probably a question for them, really. But like, it like there, there's not tied to really elf releases right now. So like, what made them think of this today? I wonder. Like, do they have a list of things like that? I don't know. Sure. Well, sometimes you'll write something and it'll come out relatively quickly, and sometimes like this book, I think I wrote a year ago. Like oh. it was, it, so it's just, I, I, I mean the, they, they tell you when it's coming out obviously, but like mm-hmm. the release schedule is sort of a, uh, you know, opaque to me uh, and the reasoning behind it. But then again, it's not really my, they, yeah. they know this business way better than I do. So I'm not right. going to try and second guess them. <laughs> sure. You just write words good um, as you type them. But keep them coming. Will if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, next is where does this book take place? Where do we find our characters? Uh, in Shaish, um, in that, uh, I kind of went off the map because I really I had a really cool idea for a setting thing. So I don't think it's any it's it's near the Dwindle Sea. Um, hmm, okay. So uh, and then I kind of went from there. And you kind of mentioned a bit of who in terms of factions, but who specifically does the book kind of follow? Uh, specifically, the Lumineth and the Ideneth, with a little sprinkling of like Ossiarch Bone Reapers in there, just to keep everything flowing. Yeah. And sort of like as a misdirect on who you think the villain's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't often think of OBR as keeping things flowing, but I get your point, though. Yeah, um, they're, not, not really, yeah. they're not really go with the flow kind of guys. Um, um, sure. And then tell us a little bit about the the main character, uh, Elarin. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Elarin. That's how I pronounce it. Um, the reader, uh, Amy rocks and she pronounced it that way, too. So uh, oh, good. <laughs> justified. Uh, yeah, she is a um, lore seeker who is sort of um, from a, I want to say, disadvantaged background uh, among the Lumineth. They're not all, you know, they're not all realm lords, right? They're, you know, some of them have to be sailors, some of them have to be pot makers and whatnot. But uh, she was uh, a scholar at an arcane uh, academy, basically, and not taught in the ways of the lore seeker or anything like that. So she sort of just was going to be a a graduate student, basically a professional scholar for the rest of her life in this place. And it got kind of and then the, then the necroquake happened and threw everything into turmoil, and she found herself sort of, uh, you know, wanting to not avenge, but at least uh, make sure that some, some things like that didn't happen again to other people. Yeah. And that sort of got her onto the lore seeker path. And now she found herself in Shaiish fighting, you know, Ossiarchs. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. You, you mentioned grad student. There is a small section in the book where they describe the Lumineth equivalent of a thesis defense. <laughs> And I just love that. Like, of course, the Lumineth are going to go hard on something like that compared to us. Yeah, yeah I am not. a. I, I, I might have been working out some trauma there. I don't mean. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say because <laughs> you work at Ohio State University, according yeah. to your bio. Is that still true? Yeah, I'm a historian. Yeah. Um, so is there some personal experience that's being translated into this? No, thing? no, no, no. Okay. Absolutely not. no, no. <laughs> I didn't, you know, yeah, take off all my clothes and sit in the shower and shake and cry after my thesis defense. <laughs> not do that. No, definitely not. Did not order a whole bucket of like Kentucky Fried Chicken and just eat it right in the shower. Did not do that. Not, that's not me. Sounds delicious. Um, well, it sounds like you had more questions, so you can you can keep going if you like. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned uh, like Lauren's background, kind of coming from like being disadvantaged and being like a little bit different from some of the Lumineth we see. Uh, one thing I noticed in reading the book and on the cover is that uh, Lauren does have like a darker skin tone than we see of like your classic high elves. 
And I think that's great for like bringing in more diversity to the realms. Uh, what kind of was like the decision between like for you of expanding that and in, in universe? Well, uh, I can't really claim total credit for that. That was something actually um, Jacob suggested my editor. He said, you know, we should, we should make her a person of color. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really great. I, I didn't even think that was a, I was like, really excited to, to do that. And um, uh, I think that it was, I mean, a, a good choice. And I think that, you know, diversifying everything because the mortal realms are vast, right? Right. Like, uh, like, and I mean, let's, let's be honest. If we're talking like the realm of light, like it makes sense that there are dark skinned people there because right. it's full of light, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're going to have, you're going to have a tan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that actually I'm switching again a little bit, but uh, so that reminds me of the short story you wrote Harrowhand um, for that's basically, is it a prequel for the Neve Black Talon series? Um, is it intended to be that? And and you've got a, a a person of color also as one of the main characters that you represent there as well. So um, how was that process of you, at this point, I assume you knew that there was an animated series coming and you had mm-hmm. some access to the background. So how do you write yourself into the background of something that has yet to be released? That was, well, they, they gave me like a 20 page document that, uh, oh, yeah? so they gave me the scripts for all the episodes and everything like that. So oh, I, nice. I, I got to spend a week, you know, just becoming these characters. Um, <laughs> and this is one of the situations where you get these characters whole cloth and you just kind of have to inhabit them and make them your own. Um, because I, I, there are going to be other authors writing about the black talents and there already yeah. are, I think, um, mm. I don't know how many stories they've got in the pipeline. Um, but, um, so I think the intention was to re- have authors write from the perspective of each of the black talents, just to give readers an insight, an insight and people who, who see the series and want to, you know, delve deeper into their personalities and whatnot. So it was really fun. I think it was really fun to work inside the box. And it's a weird thing to say, but mm-hmm. um, where you're given, you know, this is what we want. This is what we want. These are all the characters, but I was also given free reign to sort of come up with the plot and the interplay and like what themes to touch on uh, mm-hmm. in their relationships. And I think one of the things I enjoy most about writing is the character work where I'm trying to, you know, bounce these personalities off each other and create friction and, you know, release and things like that. So it's a, it was a lot of fun to do that with characters that really weren't my own to begin with. Um, so I liked that. A follow-up to that, actually, is for the Broken Realm series, you wrote the short story uh, Archmage, which has Teclis, the, the biggest of elves. And was that kind of like a similar process? I want, like, how different is it from, like, named mortal or Stormcast characters versus a named god-like character um, in terms of writing? Uh, well, Teclis is really the only god I've had the chance to mess with, um, right. <laughs> and I tried to not to touch him at all as much as right. I could. Like he's, he, he's got a very—I mean, Teclis is Teclis, right? I mean, he should be writing about me. Um, <laughs> like, Might be for all we know. Yeah, yeah I'm right. afraid he's going to appear in a in a smear of light and just <laughs> cut me down. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, he'd be totally justified in. I tried sure. to do him, you know, but I wanted to, I wanted to sort of show the. Um, uh, sort of divine arithmetic that goes on in the head of a, some, a being that, you know, w- thinks in centuries and, you know, sort of stands above it. Like, you know, uh, a sort of theme in all the gods, good or bad. And the Warhammer universe seems to be like, you know, we have to sacrifice to, for the greater good sort of thing. I don't want to yeah. steal a line from the towel, but um, <laughs> like it, it, you know, they're just trying to survive, right. As a yeah. species, I suppose. So um, it was fun to sort of, have uh, try to look at Teclas through the eyes of somebody who you know worships him sort of as a god and respects him and then uh sort of turn that on its head like hey you know part of worship is sacrifice so you're gonna have to deal with this buddy 
Uh, and then the last of our, or some of the last of our W questions for Children of Techless is when you were like getting ready to write this, were there any like specific sources of inspiration or specific other things that you read uh, to prepare yourself for writing this book? I mean, other than like the uh, various army, the faction books and army and battle tomes and things, I sort of delved into there quite a bit. Um, I'm always sort of, you know, just reading uh, more or less, uh, you know, passively. So I can't really think of anything that I specifically sort of dove in for Children of Teclas. Uh, I mean, I was reading, I think, uh, a bunch of Roman history at the time. So I think that that the sort of Roman, um, like, generals and legates and things just the arrogance of rome provided sort of a perfect <laughs> sort of backdrop yeah. and, and <laughs> counterpoint for sort of the lumineth like hey we're here to help you and civilize you but uh it's not going to be it's not going to be fun for you um this isn't going to be <laughs> yeah. a good process but you're going to end up better i promise <laughs> right <laughs> it's fun. fun and and i have a uh, follow-up question um Aaron always really likes it when characters travel from one story to another or have connections. Yeah, I do. And I, I know that a lot of the characters that you have in your short stories, et cetera, uh, tend to be female. So I'm wondering if any of them are intended to be like, oh, they died in this book, but they're coming back in this book or something like that. Or, you know, for you, it kind of seems to be the Atlantic Empire, but I'm not sure if I missed any like other little nuggets. I do love the Atlantic Empire. Um, uh, that one of the things I, I think an earlier editor told me is they want the, because the mortal realms are so vast, they don't like to have a lot of connection like that. And it might be not the case now. Um, that's I, right. That's <laughs> what I think about this. Yeah, I wholeheartedly Aaron agree. Like I want to make like a little a little Dick and verse and carve it out of myself. But I think that's yeah. exactly what they don't yeah. want. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, they let horse do it. Why don't they let you do it? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I try and throw in little Easter eggs and not like my uh, the character I think Byron from Red Hours. Uh, he comes back. He's mentioned sort of offhandedly as a as a um, like a lord militant or something like that at one point in another novel. Nice. But those are just they're just small things. Um, I, I don't think I've I've tie, I've had the chance to tie anything in uh, really sort of directly at this. I'm point. telling you, man, fight the power. Like lead little like Easter eggs there, and we will find them. Um, I'm telling so. you, I'm telling. I think that yeah, it may have it may have changed uh, the the policy on that. So well, I'll test the waters for you. <laughs> uh, uh, I had another question. Oh, um, back to um, Alarn actually, and this is a new thing that I want to introduce because I'm also very self absorbed and I like having. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not unique, but um, I don't know. Point is, is, I would love if you could give us a factoid about Alarn that isn't in the book that that readers can or listeners can only find out about Alarn here. Our own private secret about this character that's gonna, now going to be canon because you'll say it out loud because you're the author and you get to decide. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had never really thought of that. Uh, she probably. Um, She's probably a note taker. Okay. Uh, probably writes everything down. Sure. Um, so sort of meticulous, meticulously taking notes. Um, I know her her personality seems kind of scattershot, but she's in a, a period of particular stress. I think during the novel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she would definitely sense. be a she would definitely be a plotter. Like, yeah. Be my. There you go, bringing it back around. So one day when there's a Wikipedia article about her, they have to cite this episode then if they want to include that uh, fact about her. So I do have a follow-up question to that, uh, which is, do these characters live in your head or do these characters kind of live off to the side? Like, are they still moving, breathing, even though you're done writing at this point? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're, they'll always, I, I don't want to say, it sounds kind of trite to say that they'll <laughs> always be with me, but like I... 
they'll be with me in some form or another because I'm going to, you know, chop them up and cannibalize them for pieces, you know, in some future novel, okay. uh, you know, personality traits and stuff like, oh, I really like mm-hmm. how that worked out. So I'm going to try and like hit on that, but, you know, you know, problematize it or switch it up a little bit this time. And they were really, they were really, she was a really fun character to write. Yeah. Um, kind of a segue question to the next section, which is, and I'm correct in saying that this is your first like actual novel with Black Library, right? What was the that process of moving up from short stories and novellas to to actually going into your first novel? It was a lot because uh, I I'd only written one novel I think before this, and it will never see the light of day. So um, <laughs> so it was interesting, uh, and I this was probably this was my first novel that actually got through the pitching process because uh, nice. I've they've I've gotten to basically almost green light with I think two or three other novels before that. So I was familiar with like the synopsis, long synopsis, chapter summaries, things like that. And I was just kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, well this one's not going to go anywhere either. And then finally like, okay, you got the green light, buddy, go ahead. So I was <laughs> very surprised. I hadn't really thought that I was going to write it while I was coming up with everything. Like, okay, here we go again. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, um, it was an experience. Because, you know, when you when they say, you know, we want 90,000 words, 90,000 words in theory is very different than 90,000 words on paper. And because it's right. actually going to be more like 110,000 words because you got to cut out about 20 percent of it. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, give it time to breathe and whatnot and all the extra plot threads that you put in and like, oh, no, this is just a, this is worthless. You know, keep this, take this out. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot. <laughs> Did they. Uh, so actually, this is a question from our listener. Let's finally get to a listener question. You guys, we've, we've been waiting and sitting on our hands this whole time. I'm really happy that your listeners had questions. Yeah, they sure did. So uh, in this case, a patron of the show, in fact, uh, Klaus M.A., uh, he asks, um, what are some of the guardrails given to authors from GW? Um, Do you get maps or lexicon or name directly? I think you mentioned like a lore Bible or something previously, but like what tools do they give you to write these things? And what tools did did you use for this novel? I'm curious. Um, I always go to the battle tomes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I go there. But the thing is like the... There's a funny thing about, you know, um, game lore, game setting lore in that Mm -hmm. in that a lot of people want to read it as like a religious text when I think it should be read more as like a historical text because, you know, you'll have these Wikipedias pointing out like, well, such and such happened at the Battle of Burning Skies and, you know, this this uh, this person died and this person did this and, you know, it just keeps going. And it's it's sort of treated like a a gospel when I think that it's more fun to treat it like a history and it's like this is a this is a perspective of what happened at the mm-hmm. battle of burning skies, or this is what this person said about it. Um, so I like to look at the, the battle tomes like that. And the battle tomes are just so thick with description. Like they will rattle off like a hundred things in one page. And you're like, wow, I want to write stories about all those. <laughs> and uh, so I always go in there um, and as pertains to guardrails. Um, one of the things they like, we have the uh, IP Bible, which is I just got this year. Like, I, I'm sure there were other ones, but I guess that I they just found me. I'm important enough now to have that, so I can hey. always I can always look through that. Um, and that's constantly changing as well as they change the setting and as they update things. Um, and I'm sure you you well know that you know things don't necessarily stay the same mm-hmm. in uh, Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Um, so as far as that, and then it depends on the editor a lot with regards to guardrails, like with the, um, the, the um, Harrowhand, the Black Talon novel, uh, st- short story, I had, you know, very strict set of characters and a very strict thing, like a uh, tone they wanted me to hit. Whereas like with, um, I want to say Path to Glory, they were just like, okay, just do what you want to do. Um, and it, it depends on the editor, like an ed- you have a relationship with an editor and um, some editors are, are, you know, micromanagers and some editors are more loosey goosey and, um, 
it's 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 I'd say it varies quite a bit, but always try and go to the texts and at least try and give them like a head nod, like, you know, do the research. And again, I'm a historian by trade, so I love this stuff. I love getting into the weeds with regards to, you know, the various cities of Sigmar and, uh, you know, uh, the tetrarchs of ruin and yeah. things like that. So <laughs> kind of related to that, like, do you also have to know where the current like storyline is sort of at a macro level, regardless of like historical details, which is also obviously very important, but like, are you also sort of expected to keep abreast of like where the story is today as well? Uh, to a point, I suppose. Um, it depends on where the story is set. Like uh, mm. in regards to Children of Teclas, I only needed to know up like basically through the neck real quick. I didn't like the era of beasts don't, figure into it at all mm -hmm. uh, era of the beast so um so i mean i know about it obviously but uh you know i do like reading sort of the the timeline and the age of sigmar stuff so i enjoy it i would have i would be doing this anyway so why not uh you know right. why not keep doing it? yeah <laughs> i have no idea what that's like reading everything anyway to begin with uh, Paul, we didn't give you a chance to say unreliable narrator. So if you want to say yeah. it right now, go ahead. Yeah, it sounds like you're really a big fan of the unreliable narrator when you're like, eh, it's not the gospel truth. It's just a perspective. And yeah, I know. So, yes, I was literally just be like, yep. And I was looking for a button to mute Paul. So he would. <laughs> yeah, I was being I was being good and not jumping in. Oh, we should record you so that I can just press a button that just says you you saying unreliable narrator. And then we're like, all right, carry on. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then you, you said that you source a lot of stuff from the battle tomes. So was the Lantic Empire something that was in the Battle Tome first or something that you came up with and then was put into the Battle Tome? It was uh, it was in the Battle Tome first. Um, okay. And uh, I was surprised. I was surprised. I wanted something that had a little bit written about it, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. So I could really flesh it out um, on my own. Uh, so they, they, they were pretty uh, great about letting me do that a bit. And then they did their own thing with it, which is fine, too. I mean, they're the they're the boss, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. The lore comes from them. So, uh you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think it was just, it might've been one or two blurbs in, in one of the battle tomes that I ran across. And I'm like, this seems like a really cool thing. Um, and it, it fit the story I wanted to tell, like the doomed empire that used to be really cool and is now falling apart. Like mm -hmm. it's in its sort of Byzantium stage. Um, so it was, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, random question that popped in my head. Cause you, you mentioned referencing the battle tomes a lot, but you know, black library and games workshop, it's all the same lore. Do you get to have conversations with the people that write the battle tomes to like see if they have any other insight into stuff like the Atlantic empire or do they hand you the written materials and you sort of forge ahead from there? I get sort of mediated contact with the people at black library. Um, so I'll be like, I'll have, I'll be like, okay, well, here's what I want to write about. Here are like five questions I have about the Atlantic empire. Can you run this up the flagpole and see if any, like, you know, and see who, if anyone has anything I should be worried about or any more information. And, you know, they'll, the editor will reach out to black library, the black library will reach back to the editor and then they get back to me. So it's all sort of a game of telephone. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, sorry. So speaking of Atlantic empire, speaking of Ulish Thai, I'm not sure how you pronounce that in your head, oh. <laughs> um, but the uh, the city of gears. Like, where did you come up with that concept? Because that's a, that's a super fun concept, and the way that everything moves and and no place is the same except for these two buildings that are connected. Like, where did that come from? I don't think I could claim total credit for it because I think that it probably came out of some sort of steampunk game I was playing at the time. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I, I like to say I made that up. Uh, I was mm. just trying to trying to make the, <laughs> the realms weird and have mm. cool likes. I mean, because, you know, if you're going to be in Shimon, you've got to take advantage of that sort of stuff. It's a yeah. lot of fun to, you know, have mechanical stuff and metal things and, you know. But so you say that you didn't make it up. But at the same time, I don't think that other authors were like, hey, 
We're going to take the dead bodies of our ancestors and transmute them into metal to make them into gears that actually move the city. And then we're going to need a character that is actually of the blood to actually have people escape, right? Like, which to me is what makes it AOS, right? Like, it's like, okay, you have a cool city with gears that moves around, but then binding that into a bloodline. And I thought that was a really cool touch and made it something that screams AOS to me. So, well, thank you. I like to think I'm responsible for that, but I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> you can claim whatever you want on this show. Yeah, no one's going to fact check us. So um, I got another question from a listener. Uh, this comes from Kelborn, uh, and they ask, uh, if Evan, you, um, had absolute freedom, um, what would you write about, presumably, I think, in the Age of Sigmar, or I guess answer it any way you want. Um, he goes on to say a small-scaled character-driven story, which I think you'd mentioned before, a big lore-shaking one, and um, what faction would you like to write about that maybe you have or haven't had a chance to write about as well if i had a chance to write anything i wanted i it would probably be a cities of sigmar story mm-hmm. and it would focus on it would be probably free guild centric and it would right. be sort of a like a darkly textured political drama i think I, I think one of the things i enjoy the most about writing in general is like i said character work but also like the politics behind it the you know the courts and the, the very like the the lords of heaven hall uh sort of you know pushing down these edicts via azir and then these sort of I don't want to call them colonial possessions, but you know, there's these other cities that have been established there by Azerites, and there's sort of this there's this sort of friction between the local inhabitants who have been reclaimed, and they want to you know have their own systems of government, but you know, Azer's got bigger problems to worry about. Uh, and you know, when you've got a living godhead, you know, there's you know there's yeah. sort of a the buck stops with Sigmar more or less. So uh, ultimately, I'd like to sort of um, do a sort of free guild novel where you know, we're focusing on the politics of the city, the various conclaves and whatnot. I think that would be really fun to write. Um, a, a po- political drama, I guess. Uh, I don't want to say a comedy is an economy of manners because it is still Warhammer. So we've got to throw some, you know, battles in there and some chaos. <laughs> yeah. And we got to hit somebody. Yeah. 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 Kind of related to that. And just that he's a Sigmar with the new book coming out. Do you have like a, your own newly inspired city of Sigmar in mind just by looking at all the models and all the art? Oh, Man, you mean like like I could make up my own city of Sigmar? Yeah, exactly. Like, based on what you know, like, do you kind of have like your own city, kind of where you'd want to tell the story yet? I think that I think that I'd rather do it in a an already established city, just, mm-hmm. just so they've got some like framework to to run off. I mean, yeah. obviously, like um, like Hammerhall Akshi is just a, just a huge city, and there's so many stories you could tell there, and it's yeah. sort of like the New York of the uh, of the. Sigmarite Empire, so it's pretty. That'd be a pretty fun way to set it. But you know, I also like. I, there's something that to commend themselves about every. Uh, the this mortal, the the cities of Sigmar are also cool. Like I don't really yeah. need to make up anymore. Like I right, can write about right. Greywater Fastness and like the big ghoul mirror that surrounds it, like this industrial wasteland, and you know, sort of tie it into you know modern day you know, climate change and things like that. So touch on touch on you know fears of the age. Um, inspector of environmental collapse, you know, all those fun stuff. Yeah, all that great stuff. Lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah, some lighthearted. Um, if Hammerhall actually is sort of like New York, does that mean Hammerhall Gyra is like New Jersey? <laughs> the Garden State. I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Martin. That was Will's point, not mine. Uh, so are you a reclaimed or are you an Azerite? Do you see yourself as in the world? Oh man, I'd have to be an Azerite. I want to be one of the mean girls, like you know, <laughs> I want to be, like just some like stiff upper lip, like uh, you know, some. I put me in a uniform with like a high necked collar, one of those like turtlenecks, and a bunch of little medallions you know, <laughs> twinkling on my 
chest, uh, you know, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's good that you know that about yourself. I feel like everyone would feel, feel pressured into saying reclaim just because, but no, not, not you and me. Yeah. We know where we come from. I get it. <laughs> right on. Um, speaking of, uh, if you could write about other things, are there any other, um, are there existing characters that you'd love to write, uh, about, um, if you had the chance? Ooh, you know, I literally just finished reading, um, all the new Slayer novels. So mm. it'd be cool to write. Like if, um, I, I, I I don't think they would ever trust me with Gotrek, but, um, <laughs> you know, if I could get a whack at Felix or, uh, um, oof, maybe Malineth, I don't know. Yeah, okay. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be yeah. pretty cool to have a chance to do that. If she survived, if, Mal- if Malineth survived the last one. So, you know. <laughs> I haven't read enough to, of them to know that she might oh, not. Sorry, oh no. I don't, I don't remember what I read this morning, let alone like this, this conversation <laughs> right. when I finally get there. So, <laughs> So that does lead to a question of how much do you actually talk to other black library authors when you do these, like, have you done any collaborations um, with sharing back and forth or that's not really a thing? Not, not yet. No, no, okay. not as of yet. No. Um, I do talk to like, I'm, I mean, they're on like Facebook and Twitter. So we do chat from time to time, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing, nothing like uh, specifically lore related like that. No, they seem like really cool people. So, you know, obviously I want to be friends with them. Sure. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think we're doing, why do you think we're doing these conversations? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the problem is a lot of them are over in like in Britain and I can't, I can't get over there. Yeah. I want to go to like a, a weekender or something and like, you know, have a few pints with these guys. But, uh, you know, that's not in the cards for... Uh, someone like me at the sure. it's yeah. so far away yeah um, it's just an accident that. that we've only interviewed two americans it, it was not right. imp- not intentional i didn't plan it that way <laughs> um but a question that i didn't think i was gonna ask but I, this is my new brain uh child or whatever that I, I can't i can't let go um who of your characters would you um contribute to a age of sigmar black library avengers do you have a character you think would fit uh, a super team um because i want to see that happen uh, Avengers. Okay, so like a you know like a Black Talon sort of thing is what you're thinking of. Like, uh, well, I guess that's kind of yeah. That's I suppose that's what they've become these days. That's a good point. Yeah, but like, um, I just think of some of the bigger names that have come out that like, man, especially I mean, and this maybe leads into an. Well, I'll get to the second part of the question. Yeah, like, I see like, what you're going with the yeah. second part. <laughs> yeah. Who? who think, do you got any characters you think would fit? The one I've the one I've enjoyed the most is a sort of like Byron Hess from uh, the Red Hours. The yeah. guy who's he's. I mean, if he survived the Red Hours, if he wasn't just killed by Stormcast, um, he would have risen sort of meteorically in the in the ranks of the Free Guild. So he's this Free Guild general, but secretly he's like, you know, possessed by this chaos creature. So I think that'd be a really mm-hmm. fun, like friction to have yeah. on an Avengers thing. So like on the on the surface, he's like, you know, Captain America, but mm-hmm. underneath he's, you know, the Red Skull. So, nice. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. Good answer. Yeah. Cheese, cheese. Um, related, similar vein. Um, and I was going to ask this later, but I'll ask now, uh, which of your characters would you like to see most made into a model? I feel like they've been doing black libraries or I mean, GW black library have been doing it a little bit more than they used to. Um, do you have any characters that you'd like to see in physical form? Maybe the answer is the same, but, uh, I, I want to say rat gob, the uh, loon boss from my, oh, uh, shrink yeah. stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, love those. I'll make them real weird. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good. All right, cool. Uh, I'll stop. Keep going. Anybody else no, wants no. to ask more? Um, yeah, we just have another listener question from Chris Ling, which is, if you were made the grand exalted marshal of all lore, what changes to the setting of Age of Sigmar would you make? Wow. That's uh, quite a question. Yeah, oh, hypotheticals. Get ready. Huge, huge yeah. order. <laughs> that's, really, that's really quite a question. Um put humans back on lizards <laughs> that's right that's right where they belong lizards mantises all sorts of weird mounts no horses <laughs> picketing outside of hammer hall right now 
I think that the lore has to, I mean, the models come first. That's something mm-hmm. that the, yeah. um, the editors are always sort of keen on is like, you know, make sure to highlight the models, make sure to, because that, you know, we're writing fiction for a mm-hmm. tabletop game. So, um, if you ignore the model, that's probably why I'm not allowed to do lizards anymore. But um, <laughs> the modelers can't figure out lizards. They ah, can't do it. That's not true. They the Seraphon have proven they know how to do lizards. But sorry, go ahead. I know it's a sort of grim, dark setting, and uh, like you know, every the, the good guys have lost. They just don't know it yet, sort of thing. But I think I'd like to. Um, I would ease up on the pressure of chaos, uh, the looming pressure of chaos, and give like the. Um, like the cities of Sigmar and the Lumineth and whatnot, like time to breathe. And by time to breathe, I mean time to get into civil wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I want to see like, yeah. um, you know, I want to see Hammerhall actually making a play for like leadership of the, the cities of Sigmar. And then, you know, uh, other various other uh, cities sort of ha- taking issue with that. And then we get sort of like the inter interhuman politics of that. And then the, of course the Lumineth have to put their finger with a, you know, settlers gain, they have to put their thumb on the scale, so to speak. So I'd like to see more sort of, um, one of the greatest things about Age of Sigmar, I think, from a playing perspective, is you can put all these models on the board, like you can, you know, with all the alliance, the grand alliances, right? So I'd like to see some more friction between the grand alliances and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe some strange bedfellows. Uh, you know, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I always thought that, like, the first edition Age of Sigmar was very much uh, order versus chaos. Second edition is very order versus death. Third edition is very order versus destruction. I always thought that the fourth edition should be an order versus order vibe. Like, that's, I feel like that's one part of the quartet that hasn't really been looked and then, in. And then vice versa, I'd like to see more sort of a uh, friction between the, the destruction and, and chaos factions as well. That'd be fun yeah. too. True, uh, true. Yeah. Uh, and then they had a follow-up to that of, would you go back and make any changes to your own creations? Like if you could shape the setting, are there any characters or stories that you would reshape as well? No, I think I've done everything perfectly. Next question. Yes, no, no, no. <laughs> of course, I'm constantly second guessing myself. Right, like, right. The problem is, is I second guess myself so much that if I went back and changed it, I uh, I'd be afraid I'd make it even worse. Yeah, when well, would you so, stop? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. So I, Makes me wonder when you're talking about all this political intrigue. What is your bright spear like in Soulbound? Because it sounds like it's going to be super political and super involved with everything else and the mar- flooding market, Batar and everything. Is that where most of your adventures are based in? Or do you kind of like do far-flung uh, adventures more, more to the point? I, I think that it would be almost exactly what you described. It would be more political and sort of sort of uh, stuck, stuck in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I find I have the most fun when you're like negotiating, like in a game of diplomacy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, I like to do that sort of stuff. And again, uh, I think that it's, it, I mean, if I have, if I can touch back on like the way that I play RPGs is like 99% of the game is us talking to each other. And then maybe we'll roll dice twice uh, in a session when we need to resolve something that we can't resolve, like through impromptu acting or creating characters or telling stories and whatnot. So I think that, that, I really like the idea of um, something set in a in a um, in sort of a political spectrum, and then the the actual battles and stuff being peripheral to that. But I mean, we, <laughs> we want to focus on those too. But you know, whether a bureaucrat manages to get two hundred extra swords to a free guild regiment may, might make the difference between life and death. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's that's sort of and th- that can be. I think that those things can be just as compelling. Um, all the sort of hoops that this guy or, or, or a girl has to jump through to get these uh, these swords out to the people who need them, um, mm-hmm. you know, to fight the good fight. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, so, so you mentioned uh, to my eye, my ear, you mentioned the game diplomacy. Yeah, have you actually played diplomacy? Have you played Twilight Struggle? Have you played not in those, a long like, time? No, <laughs> no. I right. was. We, 
it ended some friend friendships. Yeah, I was gonna so say. I've, I've sort of, I sort of got burned by it back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you still got the knife wound in your back from it. Yeah. <laughs> I trusted um, you, Ben. I trusted you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ben's my new enemy. Yeah, I have a friend who keeps on trying to pitch. I was playing diplomacy, and I'm just like, "Are you unhappy with us? Like, what's wrong? Like, why do you want to cut this friendship off? Like, oh, I break up. Yeah." <laughs> Um, all right, we got a series of more listener questions. I want to make sure we get to them while we still have time. So I'm going to ask some more if you guys are cool. Try and stop me. Can't do it. I'm in charge. Uh, it's not true. Um, so another question from Sage Mud 14. Um, he asked a bunch of questions, but we got a couple ones. Um, first and foremost, he, he's been talking about princes a lot, and I know he wants to get this one answered. Um, Lumineth have nobility with titles such as prince existing. What is a prince in this context? When I talk about specific ones. This is one of those specific ones I was mentioning oh, before. You know, I- I honestly couldn't tell you, man. Um, <laughs> I used I used prince sort of as a political title, um, and yeah. sort of that meaning like the the ranking noble in a city or whatnot. Because I've got a I've got a couple I've got um, Sheriel, the Lord Regent, she's a princess, and then I've got a Prince Sanereth. So I'm thinking that yep. they're sort of it, it's sort of in a Prussian sense, it's sort of indistinguishable from like a military rank. Like you're mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of mm-hmm. responsible. You're in the city. You're a sort of a governor slash, you know. Uh, war marshal for that particular uh you know city or i don't want to say geo segment but like that that sort of area or province or whatnot yeah. that's how that's how i see them uh i imagine there's some sort of court as well that they sort of preside over um so i guess a ranking noble in a city and what gets you the title i don't know probably <laughs> birth accident of birth just like in the real world yeah right. <laughs> true um i should have warned you all like the next Five questions are all about elves. For, so these people love elves. That's what they want to find out more about. So get ready. I guess it makes it makes sense. I guess. Um, uh, question from Martin. I don't know if he has a different name in our Discord. I just know him as Martin. Um, but he asks <clears throat> long one. Here we go. Uh, elves are relatively ubiquitous across fantasy and even science fiction. Rare is the opportunity to write a book whose ensemble cast consists predominantly of elves. I don't know if that's true, but okay. Uh, what is it like to write an elf in the worlds of Warhammer contrasted against, uh, say, Lord of the Rings or Star Trek's Vulcans? So I think he's probably asking what, what's a unique about an Age of Sigmar elf and writing about him. That's a question that I had to grapple with. So he really hit that on the head because, you know, it's really tempting to make them sort of because the way they're written in Age of Sigmar, they're very sort of and they could see themselves as enlightened and sort of, you know, beings of logic and, and knowledge. Um, so it's it's sort of tempting to fall into those tropes like uh, that the perfection of elves in the Lord of the Rings where, you know, they're just too beautiful to be around in this world anymore. And we need to, you know. <laughs> yeah. just, or, or a Vulcan, for instance, where, you know, you, you're, you're bound by logic, but then you've got this sort of core of uh, rage inside mm-hmm. of you. Um, yeah. So I just, I tried to make them uh, fundamentally, here's the thing too, is you have to make them like comprehensible to people. Yeah. So I think that like um, it, you can, you can sort of uh, focus on their, um, their, sins uh mm-hmm. so they're like they're they're sort of prideful and at least the luminous well that was one of the fun things about children of technos is i got <laughs> to sort of focus on the the pride and sort of the arrogance of elves but through two different lenses yeah. like both the Illumineth yeah. and the Ideneth are prideful in their way yeah um and both of them are very very you know smart in their way and both of them are you know sort of playing three-dimensional chess with each other in their way um so I think that that's that's sort of I tried to focus on that and you know make them believable and interesting characters and God I really hope I succeeded. Yeah, I think you did succeed. I I, I only I, finished reading it, but I didn't say any any more questions because I was like, no, no, we've got to move on. But yeah, no, I <laughs> I would definitely say you succeeded. So 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. We're three different stages. Paul's read it. Will started. I haven't started. I'm getting there. As soon as I finish the other Van Wynn book, I'm right on, right on next to my list. Um, um, I, I should mention also, uh, Frosted Celt had a very similar question, um, which is, what, he asks, uh, what's your favorite aspect of elves in AOS and how do they feel different from elves in other worlds? So I don't want to think that I didn't see your question. I did. Don't worry. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have a, a way to expand on what your favorite aspect of the elves are. Maybe uh, that was your answer or maybe there's more to it than that. Uh, hubris is my favorite. I love that they're they're going and, and especially as an American, I can really empathize with like going somewhere, trying to, you know, believing you're making stuff better, like just genuinely, like we need to get this guy out of here. We need to, you know, rebuild the society. We need to do this, you know, for the people and then realizing like halfway through like, oh, they don't want us here. They don't like what we're yeah. doing. Um, like we're kind of in we're kind of in a mess here. Oh, geez. <laughs> like I think I like the. I think that I identify and enjoy the hubris of the elves. Um, and like to that point in Children of Techless, we do meet like an Illumineth War Council and you can pinpoint how each member of that council has their own different type of hubris that sets them apart from each other, but is still like distinctly elven. Mm-hmm. And so just like kudos to managing like that on top of different fashions of elves. Well, thank you. I, I love yeah. characters. <laughs> Um, they, but then a follow-up um, follow question is this. Also, who's cooler, Lumineth or Ideneth? And then they f- say, and why is it Ideneth? But I won't, I won't color your opinion. You get to pick. Who's cooler, Lumineth or Ideneth? Oh, man. Like, <laughs> now, at this moment in my life, I'm going to say Lumineth. But if you'd asked me, like, f- even five years ago, I would have said Ideneth. Like, <laughs> I was a goth in high school. Like, I, I get it, guys. I get it what it's like <laughs> to feel like you don't belong and your parents don't understand you. I get it. Like... And I also get it what's what's be like to be an overachiever and like, you know, incredibly nervous and, you know, have panic attacks when you're not making daddy happy, you know, daddy techness, <laughs> you know, so I get it. I get them both. And uh, man, so I'd have to say Illumineth at the moment, but, okay. uh, you know, Ideneth, they're, they're <laughs> delightful in their own way. Sure. Actually, I'm going to ask the rest of the group too. I know it's your interview, but I'm just curious. Just one, one, one answer. Paul, Illumineth or Ideneth, who's cooler? Well, Lumineth could conceivably ride lizards, but also Ideneth could conceivably ride lizards that swim underwater, and that's cooler. Yeah. So Ideneth. Weird way to count to one. Will <laughs> Lumineth or Ideneth? I mean, fish elves are super cool, but also I was a teen in 0908, so I definitely vibe with the emo elves. It's also why my intro pun was an Evanescence pun. <laughs> People are the worst. The answer is Ideneth. Um, you see how you do that? Word answer. You answer on, one word. On. No, my answer was one word. Uh, anyways, let's keep going. Um, Sagemutt had another question. Let's let's ask it. Uh, is Uliashtai from your early earlier stories? Is that a city of Sigmar? Uh, I would say it's probably a ruin now. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love it to be a city of Sigmar. Uh, so yeah, it, I guess. I, ideally, yes, but okay. um, probably it was destroyed with the Atlantic Empire and it's probably grinding away underground somewhere. Maybe the oh, maybe some uh, dispossessed found it or something and are nursing it back to life or some fire slayers down there. Who knows? If I so, have a chance to revisit it. I will clarify this question with Sage Mutt helps with the lexicon and, and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so he's trying to say, is this a Cities of Sigmar? Can I put this under the City of Sigmar tag oh, when I'm describing absolutely. the lore? Absolutely. Right. There, are, yeah. it's, there, there are people there, human people. Yes. Done. Perfect. Um, I will go up to a patron question from Ash, which is, if you were to describe the different types of elves as food dishes, what dishes and why? So I think the Ideneth would be sort of a like 
like mall court sushi that you eat out front of a hot <laughs> topic while you're waiting for your friends to show up. Yeah. Like, oh, and man. you're just sort of like, you're just sort of skulking in a corner in your all black cure t-shirt, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, enjoying, enjoying some mall sushi. Um, and then the Idaneth would probably be, or sorry, the Lumineth would be um, one of those like, like tapas, like one of those tiny plates that you have to pay the full mm-hmm. price for, but it's like half a meal. <laughs> yeah. Like a, it'd be like a, it'd be the, the Lumineth would be a single, um, like brioche, toasted brioche with some sort of, uh, you know, probably fo- gold foil on it and a little <laughs> bit of like steak tartare. Yes. I do have a follow up question for Lore, which is had you just gone to Florida right before you wrote The Low Road, where you were talking about the, <laughs> uh, the dryads that lived in the war grove that was set from mangroves? Oh, uh, no, but my mom does winter down in Florida. She's a, she's sort of a, one of those uh, snowbirds. So I have mm-hmm. been to Florida, not recently, but I'm a, I'm a Northern boy. I like the cold. I like the dry. Um, yep. and so it's always <laughs> miserable to go to Florida. For me. So I just was <laughs> channeling, I was channeling that like a, a visit I, to my mom. I definitely got that. Like you felt like the character felt miserable <laughs> the entire time. It's just like, Oh, the water is terrible. The humidity is oppressive. So no, that's oh, cool. All right. Um, all right, I'm not going to ask all these questions. I tell you what, at the end, we'll get some contact information, and he can reach out for some specifics. But here's, yeah, okay, exactly. Um, what currency did Illumineth use? Uh, since the Venari are temporary soldiers on contract, are they being oh, paid? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep going. Right. This, is a, this is a this is a frustrating thing because I can't use money anymore. Like yeah. in the earlier right. like stories, I could have like gold coins and stuff, but money has no value, so it's all Granis now. So like. What do you do? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, I can't. I, it's all barter. So, you know, this is a that's a frust. You've hit on a frustration for me as well. I think so I'm really hoping in like future editions they go back to some sort of coinage. Maybe it's realmstone yeah. coin or something like that where we can you know have some sort of fungible asset. Okay, I'm glad I asked. That was a good answer too. So since we're kind of in the children of Teclas range now with these kind of questions. Um, what would be your like five second pitch for why people should read Children of Teclas? What would they learn that they wouldn't learn from something else? What would they learn? Um, how fun it is to watch Lumineth and Ideneth argue. Um, <laughs> like, I think that that putting siblings at loggerheads is is a lot of fun. <laughs> it, I, I, you said five seconds, so I'm gonna stop myself. <laughs> all <right. laughs> um, all right, I think we're probably at the point where I'll ask you guys if you have any more questions that you want to ask before maybe we make up an outro that we don't really have. But go ahead. I'm pretty good. Is that it? Oh, oh, all right. So I'll then I'll just start to start the outro. I'll ask: Is is there anything that's next for you that you can talk about? Any any other things that we should keep an eye out for uh, out there? And the answer can be no, but that's, I'll ask. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet, but I just turned in a second draft for a novel, and ooh, uh, they ooh. finally let me write about you know dirty humans. So nice. Um, so it's about it's going to be about people. You know, I keep calling them people, but like you know, the other <laughs> they would take offense. It's going yeah. to be about us folk, us us humans. Um, finally, jeez, yeah. yeah. And so, and I, um, I think I'm going to write a tie-in story for that. And then we've got another, I'm just pitching another novel in the wings. So okay. hopefully oh, nice. I'll have a couple novels, you know, in you know a backlog. And ideally, if this does even decently, they'll, they'll ask me to write more. Every time I'm always surprised when they ask me, I think, okay, well, this, 
this is the last time they're going to talk to me. I'm just never going to hear from them again. And that was it. You know, they keep emailing me. So I must be doing something right. Yeah. I'm trying to get the money out of you. <laughs> this is the time we're going to shake them. Yeah. You can never paint that chaos war band. Otherwise, they're going to stop emailing. That's, that's the rule. That's the trick. Um, well, in that case, Evan, I'll ask you if there's anything that you want to say or ask or bring up or, or get into. Oh, geez. I mean, not not particularly. No, um, I, I wanted to thank you guys for all ha- for having me on. Like this has been just an absolute pleasure. And I I want to say that I often go to you guys for lore. Um, I wouldn't, but okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, like I said, it's a it's a history, right? So it's just your your yours is no or less valid than the people on Reddit who are talking about the same thing. So um, so I, I and because I have a lot of time to listen to stuff, you know, I, my job doesn't require me to, you know, like I'm typing away, but I don't have to, you know. I'm just, it's all Excel spreadsheets and whatnot. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and yours is one that I go to quite frequently. Oh, uh, yeah. You and uh, two plus tough on uh, YouTube. Yeah. So I listen to you. Nice. Very cool. Dougie, Dougie fresh. Um, all right. Well then I'll, I'll then say, is there anywhere online that people can find you if you want to be found at all? And maybe you don't, that's cool too. Um, I, I am on Facebook, but, uh, and I was on Twitter, but I kind of got off Twitter. Um, like a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking for a new social media home uh, for mm-hmm. myself, but I've got a website, evandicken.com. Uh, you can go to it. I update it maybe twice a year, but you can, hey. you can find me through, you can email me through that. So oh, nice. Uh, yeah, if you want to yell at me. Sure. Well, I would have, I would have done that instead of going through Michael. I should have just gone straight to the website and do that. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Uh, any other final thoughts from everybody before I, I jump into it? No, it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, well, yes, thank you. This fantastic. has been really awesome. I echo that completely. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a delight. And I mean it. Um, all right, let's do it. It's time for our reforging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Mortal Realms. Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. Will, will where can they find you? At Age of Sever. Uh, I'm Aaron. You can find me at Dosesos on Twitter, and you can find all our sh- Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. That was a delight. Yeah. I was a little nervous. I felt like I needed to study because you guys are all lore masters, and you know I. <laughs> Not at all. That's not true. And I was flipping nervous going into this. I'm used to talking to these chuckleheads. It's whenever it's a little loop. Yeah. I was literally loop. spending oh, was, the whole time. I did like a two or three hours of research beforehand, like writing down some notes about, you know, I just borrow my books and stuff. <laughs> you know, you write these things and then sometimes later on you forget about them. And, you know, you guys are going to ask me specific questions about the first short story I ever wrote. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had, to, I had to stop myself from asking so many questions about Children of Teclis, but I definitely really enjoyed it. <laughs> trying oh, to not put in yeah. spoilers and stuff. So um, I, I love the setting. And like immediately when you were like, oh, we're at the original scene, I'm like, okay, like this is not going to be a story that I expect. So I thought that the setting of Shayesh was really good for both the Adneth and the Lumineth pairing off against each other. Yeah. And the Osiarch bad person was fantastic and evil with like having only five pages of, or five lines in the whole <laughs> right. world. It was originally was- a, I originally had a third like POV character and she was going to be a, uh, or he was going to be a, um, a soul blight vampire who was like Ooh. living in marrow scar that they both had to deal with. And so I had like that whole, I probably have like six or seven chapters written from their perspective. Oh, wow. Wow. I cut out and replaced with Osiarch cause it was just too much. It was just yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, so,
Perfect. <laughs> Neat. Uh, that, that really recontextualized all his other questions, and I'm it regretting does. not including yeah, them yes. because, like, he's actually doing homework right now. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Like right. I said, he, he wanted an official response. <laughs> oh no. I, so I'll ask. Do you guys have any other questions? Maybe I'll go find his other ones real quick and bring them up if they're pertinent. <laughs> um, keep asking um, while I look. Yeah, I will go. Why do characters act like the Achaean Thrallmaster is a noble uh, rather than a military officer? I don't know. Maybe we can that, stop here. I don't know. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, he, I mean, he is, he was at one point a noble, I think, as a prince. And I think that um, without giving too much away, like the, the destruction of their um, enclave has sort of thrown everything into uh, flux, basically. So you've got these Ishuran, and he's the only thing, rep- like even close to an Achaean, right? Even close to a, a noble uh, you know, he you know, granted he wasn't, he isn't one anymore, but they have to sort of treat him like the one and put him on the council. And also he commands the loyalty of most of the Namardi because he's a, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't really put it in the book, but like most of the Namardi working for them are like his reaver crews because my intention was like, you know, the, re- the real reason why there's so many Namardi there is because they weren't necessarily at the destruction of the enclave. He was out collecting souls, you know, filling buckets. You're giving better answers than I would have expected. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Let me just ask one more while on this train uh, real quick. Um, so uh, he, he wants to know what language are they supposed to be speaking in the book, given that the Namardi seems like are using a different language. What is everybody else speaking? Oh, just probably Elvin. I wanted the I wanted the um, I wanted to put another barrier between the Lumineth and the Namardi um, mm. so that they couldn't they didn't really talk directly to the Lumineth characters and sort of the um, the full souled Idaneth, the true souled Idaneth had to act as interpreters for the Namardi. And I think that that. Granted, like every enclave is different, but I think that like the way that the Idaneth society is structured, at least the one in Shaish, the Eichmar one, I could see them having a language specifically for the Namardi to also to isolate them um, from, you know, the outside world and that sort of stuff. So you have to, so the nobles have to act as a mediating factor. Like you can't even talk to a person, like a Namardi can't even talk to somebody like a, a you know, a human or a Dwarden or something like that. So I thought that would, i I tried to put that sort of roadblock in there because I think that Alaren as a character would want to like, oh, hey, you know, I had a I had a rough upbringing, too. And, you know, I want to talk to you and like, like connect with you on a personal level, but to make that difficult for her. So she has to go through these people who don't like her to begin with to talk to them.